investigative journalist Molly Barrows. For years, I've covered the stories that made headlines in Northwest Florida and all along the Gulf Coast. Murders. Missing persons. And mysteries of all kinds. These cases are far from over for many victims because the full story has yet to surface. Join me for Gulf Coast Confidential, where I dive into the saltier side of the South and expose the lies, greed, and corruption that often weighs down the truth. It's time to turn the tide and get a shot at justice. Hi, I'm Molly Barrows, a longtime reporter in Florida's Panhandle, and welcome to my investigative series, Gulf Coast Confidential, where we dive into the saltier stories that surface in Northwest Florida and all along the Gulf of Mexico. My co-host, as always, is Pam Hill. Pam, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. And if you're not familiar with Pam, then you need to check out some of our other episodes like Mommy Killer 1 and 2. Pam's sister was killed by her son, Pam's nephew, on Christmas Eve of 2013. She's a pharmacist, a grief and loneliness researcher, and because of her experience, she has a unique perspective on a lot of these cases we talk about here on Gulf Coast Confidential. And in this episode, called Dealt a Deadly Hand, we're talking about the murder of a young Pensacola man that hits especially close to home, not only because he lived here along the Gulf Coast, but I knew him, as did a lot of folks in the Pensacola area, because he had been a reporter for the Pensacola News Journal. He was known for being a lot of fun, having a generous heart, he cared about people, and two twin brothers took advantage of that kindness and eventually murdered him over valuable fantasy trading cards. So it's hard to believe that somebody would kill anyone for any reason, Mm -hmm. but certainly over trading cards, as we talk about with so many of these cases, it's just selfishness. Mm -hmm. But here's a recap of what happened. In 2012, Sean Dugas was beaten to death with a hammer at his Pensacola home. The men convicted of killing him were twin brothers, 31-year-olds William and Christopher Cormier. They knew Sean, and Sean had, in fact, let them move into his house because they were struggling for money, and he lived with a neighbor while they were at his home. But that was not enough for the Cormier brothers. The twins wanted everything that he had, and they took Sean Dugas's life to get it. They ended up encasing his body in cement in a plastic bin they bought from selling Sean's thing. So basically, Sean ended up paying for the very plastic bin and materials that they would use to bury him. And they did, in fact, take him all the way to Georgia, 50 miles north of Atlanta, where they buried him in the backyard of their father's house in Winder, Georgia, which is where investigators later found his body. The main motive for the murder seemed to be selling Dugas's valuable collection of, quote, magic, the gathering trading cards. In fact, it was mutual interest in these fantasy cards that is how Sean Dugas and the Cormier brothers knew each other. They both went to a comic book shop in Pensacola where magic, the gathering was played. Dugas and the Cormier brothers apparently knew each other through that comic book shop. And it was estimated that Dugas's collection was worth anywhere between twenty-five dollars to $100,000, according to official estimates. And according to the arrest report, the twins sold some of those cards to dealers in Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee, including one called the Black Lotus, which was estimated to be worth about $10,000. So, Pam, this is just one of those cases, I feel like, that shows just how much of an impact the victim in this case, Sean Dugas, Mm -hmm. had made on his circle of friends and family because if it wasn't for their concern about him, the Cormier brothers could potentially have gotten away with it for a lot longer than they did. Oh, yeah. They would have 
gotten away with murder. So Sean and the Cormier brothers knew each other from this comic book shop. And Mm -hmm. he had uh, been a reporter from, I think, 2005 to 2010. Mm -hmm. So this is just a couple of years after he left the Pensacola News Journal. Um, But he's still that same gregarious, nice guy. And I think these guys had sort of been down on their luck. And, mm-hmm. you know, you you put yourself in other people's shoes. If you're not a murderous individual, you would never dream in a million years that people who you have things in common with would have those sorts of tendencies and traits. So unknowingly, he invited these homicidal people mm-hmm. into his house, mm-hmm. but they had built a relationship based on mutual interests. And right. some of that was just hanging out and having a good time. Right. At the card shop. I've been in a card shop before. I don't know why. I guess to buy a comic book for somebody or something. And I always will see these boys mostly sitting up at a high table playing these cards and I'm like what's so fascinating you know but they love it and so they're up there and I can imagine you got like people like people okay so just one day they're at uh Sean's house and Sean has a regular little house I don't think it's anything overly big but there's a bet his bedroom and then there was an extra room that they called the smoke room and so the more dominant of the twins. uh, Who was the more dominant of the twins? William. He just trounced around like it was his house. Well, Chris, the one that was kind of the follower, he was in what the smoke room there, smoking. And then he saw Sean go back to his own room in his own house. Then he sees William chase right after him. And they're screaming, but he's staying in the smoke room. He's kind of a, a, a coward, I guess. He's in there and he hears Sean go, you cut my jugular. Okay, so then he comes out of there and bleeding, and then William's chasing after him, and Chris is paralyzed in there smoking, and and there he can't believe what's happening, and William follows him out into the garage and beats him in the head 13 or 14 times with a hammer. Unbelievable. I did read where Sean was desperately trying to get away. Mm -hmm. It just hurts my heart. Right, in his own house, down his own hall, Mm. past another person in another room smoking, whatever they're doing. I I call that cowardice. And then the man beats him in the head with a hammer in his own garage. Done. And then they lived there at his house Mm -hmm. for several days, Mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, they did. And see, through all this, uh, Sean, before all this happened, Sean and this bunch of magic card guys are just people like him. I I figure he's a tree hugger, granola eating, Birkenstock wearing, nice guy. That's pretty much him. (laughs) Right, okay. On Pensacola Beach. That's the good life, okay? So Mr. Good Life, he's having a good life, okay? He's a happy person out there. Well, he and some of his, he gets in an argument with one of his buddies, and it turns into a fist fight. So the buddy pops him in the jaw, and he ends up having to have his jaw wired shut. So he has a friend named Patricia Burke, and she kind of took Sean under her wing and said, you know, we're friends. I need to kind of work harder at being, you know, we all can work harder with our friends. And she said, you and I, let's have lunch every Monday. And he liked that. He enjoyed her company, not for anything else other than, I think, academic, interesting, whatever, like that. Having somebody care about Mm -hmm. you, yeah. And she was predictable, and she showed up. Well, so she goes, she doesn't hear from Sean. He's not answering her calls and stuff. So she goes to his house. Well, this is after those brothers had, well, William had killed him. And so they tell her something like, he's at Walmart or he's not coming back or something like that. And she gets a little bit curious, but she doesn't push too much. And in the time being, she has received a call from an unknown number. And so somebody didn't answer, and somebody wouldn't answer when she picked it up. And that's important because it plays later in 
the course of doing things. So there they are. They're trying to figure out how to clean up this crime scene. How to sell his things. How to, to make sell money. his things. His things. The things he shared with them. And you're right. These cards, even the weird cards, the one that were miscut or these cards, they would pay great amount of money for the author or people to what they would call um, alter the card. They might withdraw like a Snoopy on it or something ridiculous, and it just made the value up. And Sean Dugas, his collection was epic in the state of Florida. He had the top three. He was in the top three of Magic the Gathering cards. So that's pretty impressive. Yes. So his cards he didn't sell a lot of them, but, you know, he didn't need the money. He wanted to keep them. But sometimes he would sell them. And that's important later on, too, because that's what links these brothers to Sean DeGoss. So who actually called the police that he was missing? Patricia called because she had come over there. A neighbor saw them doing all this moving around and clearing out his house. They paid someone to come cut the yard, like 140 bucks, uh, to move stuff around. They went right up near somewhere on Creighton or probably Davis to get a U-Haul. And in the time being, they were selling off uh, bunches of his cards instead of being wise about it and selling it off for the real value. Like a card that was uh, maybe worth 60000 they probably got like 600 for it. Quick cash. Yeah, quick turn. And they were selling them in bulk, which you don't do that with collectibles. It's a warning. Mm-hmm, exactly. But these people didn't care. There was one card dealer, I think his name was called Hot Sauce. Or something like that. Hot sauce benefited from all this because mm. he had the cash to give it to him. Well, in the time being of their little murder spree, they had bought a car. Their spending spree right. post murder. Exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. And they'd gone up to see their daddy and to take their their dad knew they were bad boys and he knew they were f ups and he knew that they were up to no good well, all the time. That's what was so terrible. I mean, mm. among many many reasons, but uh, you know, murdering him and then they stick his body in the fetal position in this mm. plastic mm. bin and they mm. pour cement on there to, you know, make mm. sure he's entombed essentially encased. And I think there was some foam mm. and then they put a tarp over it and 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 bring it up in this. U- Hall and the dad testified later he didn't realize that they had a body but he mm-hmm. said there was a terrible stench mm-hmm. the moment they opened up the door he's like my god I thought it was a dead dog mm-hmm. but in fact it was a dead human being yeah and they even told him it was a dead dog he said what is that smell like that and they said oh it's a dead dog a dog we hit on the way up here we thought we'd just bring it with us so and upset anybody I'm like that's not even a good lie you know, well, the fact that his dad didn't follow up on yeah. that. He didn't want to know what they did because they went up there and then that weekend they all go to Dragon Con. You know, we have Pensacon here and it looks fun for people that are into, into all that. that. Kind of yeah. Thing. And I mean, people really enjoy it. If we don't, if we're not in it, we don't have the appreciation. But I like that the people uh, enjoy it. It's a thing. It's just a thing. A lot of people do. Yeah. Right? It's a thing here in Pensacola. And so they take him to Dragon Con and he's like just happy enough just that they're acting and semi-okay. Well, when they go back up to his house after they've got Sean and the U-Haul and everything, they just immediately, in the daddy's backyard, digging a deep hole right in the backyard. Daddy doesn't go ask, hey, what you doing, or this, that, and the other, for a fire pit and digging at night, okay? And so they do all this stuff, and Sean, like you said, he, he is in this, like, storage bin, like you put 
Christmas stuff in mm. and stuff like that. And they had left him in that garage for three days at his own house. And so they were just so cruel. And not only was he in the fetal position, he was on his knees in the fetal position with the foam and the concrete. And they'd thrown a handful of air fresheners in there they got from Walmart and sprayed with some osium or some of that stuff. I mean, just like idiots, but just selfish idiots and just so disrespectful. Yeah, and I know my heart breaks for his parents. I, I mean, know. having to listen mm. to those details and know that that your child, and as a parent, you work so hard to keep your baby alive, mm -hmm. to bring a child into mm -hmm. the world, to meet their needs, to love for them, care for them, mm -hmm. feed them, nurture them. I mean, they're just so fragile from the time they're born. Mm -hmm. And then as they become more independent, you know, and then he, I'm sure they were so proud of him and all that he had accomplished. And, oh, yeah. And then to know that this child that you work so hard to bring into the world, this adult that they've become, just gets their life snuffed out by two losers. Mm -hmm. And then to, to treat their his body so cruelly. I know. And he was a beautiful person. He would have given them anything they wanted. He, Like you said, he even went and stayed with a friend because so they could stay in his house. I mean, they were kind of taking it over. Mm -hmm. But he did that. And so in the backyard of Daddy's house there, all right, they put some concrete over it, and that's about it. They don't necessarily do a fire pit or anything remarkable. I think this dad was just like crossing his fingers, like, Ugh, live to fight another day with these right. knuckleheads. He's you probably know? half scared of him himself, perhaps. I think, I, I think you're right. Well, see, Patricia is still looking for him, you know. And so, during when those boys lived there, those twins lived there, they had knocked out one of Sean's front windows uh, there at his house on accident, I think. Well, so the police couldn't get in Sean's house, but one of them figured out by using that window how to get in. So they get in, and Patricia is just beside herself. And so— at She knows something. She wrong. knows because he was not like a stander-upper. He's like, hey, I'll go to lunch with you on Monday. I'll be at lunch on Monday, you know. And so these guys, they're up there with their daddy, nobody— doing anything. They think they've got it made and going to card shows and selling bulk, bulk, bulk of cards. Well, the police somehow figure out about the Cormiers, and I figure it was because Patricia said, I got this call from this number. And they call it, and they get uh, their daddy, the Cormier brother's daddy. And he basically tells them, F yourself, blah, 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 and don't call me anymore. And then he gets to thinking, was this in my backyard? Mm -hmm. I better call them back. Mm -hmm. So he calls them back. And so yes, however long it takes to get from Pensacola up there is how long they got there. And they get there, and the dad's wondering, what's going on back here? So that's when they get a backhoe, and they dig up the backyard. And that is when they find Sean. Mm, what a nightmare. Awful. For Sean, I know. But awful. I'm glad that the police were able to find him so quickly, at least to give his parents mm -hmm. some closure and his mm -hmm. friends, too. And thank goodness that he had such a loyal and dedicated friend mm -hmm. oh. who sounded the alarm so quickly. I love that lady. I, I just love that lady because she cared about him. The reason she was so intent on checking with him is because his jaw was wired shut. Mm -hmm. And she thought, maybe he's not eating right or he maybe he needs me. You know, we got to check on our friends and people. You know, we need to know where each other are sometimes. I don't mean you have to give everybody exact roadmap, but she knew that wasn't right. So she acted and, and took care of that. So I really, I just can't even imagine uh, all that happening. And I mean, basically, they bought his casket. He bought his own casket. He bought his own casket. Plastic at Walmart bag. on Creighton. Mm. And it's a bin. 
I know. And I, and I remember meeting Sean. I, you know, Aww. we reported around the same time. I was working for the local ABC affiliate. He was working for the Pensacola News Journal. We would end up on a lot of the same scenes as you do mm-hmm. when you're covering, you know, I was covering crime at that time, but also just a hodgepodge of events. And because uh, I was anchoring the morning show, so it would usually be in the morning. As soon as I was done off the set, then I would go and report, and then I would see him at some of these assignments mm-hmm. that I was given. And, you know, you end up talking to a lot of the reporters because you're covering the same scenes, and Sean and I would always just naturally gravitate to each other and visit. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a, a tragedy one time. A young lady had been hit and killed. She lived in an apartment complex that was right on a busy road, and she uh, was a server, so she had gotten home late one night, like the middle of the night, was checking her mail, which was right on this road, and somebody either perhaps, in, you know, intoxicated or they just weren't paying attention, but somebody swerved and hit her and killed her. Hmm. And uh, as far as I know to this day, that's never been solved, but we were there getting video of the scene and, and trying to talk to neighbors. And I remember um, a relative of the young woman came out and and was yelling at, at my crew in particular, myself and the photographer, because sometimes people are just upset and it hurts yeah. and, and you don't and the idea of having media there it seems like a voyeur yeah. we were in a place where we were legally allowed to be it certainly isn't the first time I've been yelled and screamed at but it was it was nothing I took personally I understand yeah. but there's a lot of times too when families do want to talk they do value the media being there they want to get the word out but you know when you're hurting and it's a situation so I don't want to make it about that but Sean, seeing this woman yell and scream at me in particular because she'd just seen it on the news. Mm-hmm. I think she saw it on the news brief, so it was easy to to, to recognize us right. amongst the reporters. Um, Sean walks over to me. He's like, well, at least you got a little more information out of that because mm-hmm. she was yelling something in particular. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it was his way of trying to soften the blow. Yeah. He wanted to, me to know, hey, I saw that. Yeah. I know that was unpleasant. I'm yeah. sorry that happened oh. without actually coming mm-hmm. right out and saying yeah. it. But that was his way of, of relating. And he was sensitive like that. You mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of people who go into news, uh, you are observers. You A lot of us are artists, if yeah. you will, because you're interpreting life through your filter mm-hmm. and trying to regurgitate that in a journalistic format to people, to audiences. And and Sean got that. And I remember we would see each other out and about. I would cover parades, either going to them or covering yeah. them, and I would see Sean. And mm-hmm. we would always be like, hey, what's up? And high five or visit. And he was just always had a smile on his face, always there to help. He was a free spirit. Yeah. You know, the dreads, the, the <laughs> fun-loving lifestyle. and uh, But he was dedicated and he was committed and he was a professional as well. And, and it just makes me sick that these two people who had not worked hard to enjoy their lives just saw what he had and just wanted to take it. Mm-hmm. And through no fault of his own, they mistook his kindness for weakness mm-hmm. and and ended his life for it. And the trial, I thought, was interesting, too, because the brothers turned on each other. They did. Yep. And you know what? The, I tell you all the time, my sister Trisha, she has a saying. She It says, one dog won't, but two dogs will. Mm-hmm. You know, even if one of them's not participating, the other one, some. But this is what I get upset about with the bystander effect. I mean, why he cut his throat in his own bedroom. He could have stopped his brother or at least mixed it up with him or at least would have been two against one, even though Sean was, you know, hurt. I just don't understand this. Well, I didn't know what to do. He's a big old bubba. What am I supposed to do? Right. And at first, I think he denied even seeing anything at all. I think Chris Cormier was basically saying, well, my brother handled everything. Mm -hmm. He said Mm -hmm. Sean left, that he wanted to leave Mm -hmm. Pensacola. and We were selling this stuff to help him out. Uh So I was like, "Uh uh-huh. You were there. He was in the smoke room. And that's what, that's the research I had done, that room. You didn't go back to Sean's room without passing the smoke room. Nothing in there. You're just standing there smoking. I mean, we had one of those in pharmacy school. We call it the choke room. People in there smoking all day. They see everything from the door 
to the other doors. But yeah. I, I just really think that with Sean, he was raised right. He had some privilege, but he wasn't throwing it in their face. He shared it. He gave it to them. And then they turn around and kill him for it. I know. I know it's sick. And then they want to tell, uh, he, you know, Christopher Cormier told the the jury that they were selling those things. His brother told him they were selling Sean's things to pay off Sean's debts. But he, the truth is, it was, it was their own debt. Right. He didn't have any. He paid his bills. Mm. And you know what? That I'm I'm sorry. You can't be that stupid. You just can't. And I know. Be a thirty year old doughy man. You just can't. I know. And then William tried to turn on his brother as mm. well. But in the end, William was sentenced to prison without parole. Christopher Cormier was sentenced to, I believe it was fifteen years in prison mm-hmm. on charges of being an accessory to the robbery and the murder. And uh, I just think it was interesting that that they each tried to say Turn the blame. Each other. The oh other. yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Well, I mean, like that's kind of uh, brilliant. I know I, it <laughs> yeah, is. Kind of I smart. mean, and Chris even kept it mm-hmm. up to the end, saying, you know, or maybe it was William, mm-hmm. but William was saying, like, oh yeah, when my dad and my brother were digging a pit in the backyard, I thought it was for a barbecue. Uh-huh. Nobody's no nobody is that stupid. Every people's family. I don't care how close or not close you are. If you're out there digging at night, we've all seen all kind of crazy stories on TV. But I want to say something about Sean's dad. Uh, I don't know him, but. I remember when we were given a scholarship away at Gulf Breeze in Sharon's name, uh, he was presenting a scholarship in Sean's name. And I didn't know anything about about Sean or his dad. And that night I went home and read about Sean. And it just was so sad. There were two Gulf Breeze families in that time of it was in 2014 when we gave the scholarships and I, yeah I, that's so touching and i do remember seeing sean's dad speak at other events mm-hmm. and and it's so heartfelt you know? uh, it is and I, I haven't met him yet i want to meet him and like i said i would have loved to been friends with sean because he seemed cool well and it's a, absolutely he was mm-hmm. cool and it's a terrible club to be in when you've lost someone to a mm-hmm. violent crime like yeah. that because you do want it to mean something other than just to be remembered for this horrible violent thing that happened to them really beyond their control mm-hmm. and you don't want to be a person who's defined on be defined by being a survivor mm-hmm. by defined by being the parent of someone who met this cruel end and i feel like in so many cases including yours you, you know you're looking for a way to take this tragedy and use it to help others but in some ways it's just like you have to relive that pain but the truth is the pain never goes away mm-hmm. it's always there no, it never goes away and people say well time heals all wounds it doesn't time goes on it just becomes easier to live with the right. pain we, you learn how to hope and you learn what your um, initiators or triggers are and you learn who to be around and who not to be around. And the biggest part of the recovery, in my opinion, is to get outside of yourself and give back. And that's what his dad did. And that's what you're doing, too. Mm-hmm. Another reason why you're involved in this. Mm-hmm. What are some of your takeaways? And I am happy, by the way, for his parents, because mm-hmm. I think they did ask the court for the maximum for both of them, and they got it. But, you know, 15 years goes by. Oh, yeah, it does. You know, and eventually that that brother may be be out. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I'm Sean Dugas's parents, I'm like, does he have to? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they'll be like us. They'll be somewhere every six months uh, saying no. That's not going to happen. Well, that's different because yeah. he's found not guilty by reason of insanity, yeah. Brandon. And yeah. so his case comes up for re- But eventually he will yeah. potentially be out, yeah. you know, if he's, you know, 
served a sentence and then he'll be out. There is no option of six months getting out. Mm -hmm. You're just out mm -hmm. once you've served your time. Yeah, so I, I do feel bad for, you know, his parents mm -hmm. at some point. But we'll see what happens if he even makes it. A lot can happen mm -hmm. between it, now and then. It's just amazing. And I put, a, I put some blame on their father, too. He knew what was going on. The Cormier's mm -hmm. brother's yeah. father. Yeah. And, and so what are some of your takeaways from this? My takeaway is that, you know, you can be, you can almost be so heavenly minded that you're not earthly good, you know, and that I, I think about that and say, so how can that be? Look, this man gave them their house. He, he let them enjoy a hobby that they probably couldn't afford in this, that and the other. And I mean, I don't want people to go around going, I have to stay guarded my whole life in case somebody does. I just feel like stay in God's graces and we pray about things and we live in a fallen world. We all have free will. And there are some people that do horrible things. I know. And when you don't think that way, when you're not that kind of person, mm -hmm. when you don't think, like, how can I use and abuse someone? It doesn't cross your mind mm -hmm. that somebody could have that kind of a motive mm -hmm. in their heart. It is interesting to me, though, that he was uh, concerned enough, if you will, that he moved in with a friend. And I'm sure, mm -hmm. he, you know, he didn't yeah. fully realize what he was dealing with. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to trust your gut. You right. know, if you do have mm -hmm. any indication you know, sometimes maybe it's better just to go ahead and err on the side mm -hmm. of caution and right. kick people out of your life who are mm -hmm. using you. Yeah, know. But on. I think he was just such a generous heart. It mm -hmm. just didn't cross his mind. I thank God for Patricia Burke in his life. And maybe that's a takeaway. We all need a Patricia Burke and like Sean's daddy in our life, you know. And I, I think about a lot, think at least we had our loved ones as long as we had them. Mm -hmm. And I thank God for that. So, I mean, you almost have to take the tender approach because we can't get them back. They didn't do anything to, he didn't do anything to deserve any of that. And so it was just some horrible, horrible people. I know, doing horrible things, mm -hmm. but at least they were caught. I'm mm -hmm. so thankful that they managed to find him and his parents could give him a decent burial yes. and that they continue to keep his memory alive in, in the ways that they do and, and so that he's remembered for the positive yeah. In the contributions he's made to this community. But anyway, but Pam, thank you so much. Thank you. And I appreciate you joining us too. That's it for Dealt a Deadly Hand. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Gulf Coast Confidential. I'm your host, writer and producer Molly Barrows with co-host and researcher Pam Hill. And a big thanks to our director, editor, and production engineer, James Roy. You can listen to more of Gulf Coast Confidential and our conversations wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also watch on the Gulf Coast Confidential YouTube channel. Don't forget to like it and subscribe to that. And of course, Speaking of that, we want to give you a little something, something for paying <laughs> attention and being a loyal Gulf Coast Confidential fan. Pam, what's yes. that? Tell well, them what they could win. What can they win? Okay, Vanna. <laughs> <laughs> we have a little Tervis tumbler. This one's got the Pensacola Beach beach ball on it. What we're going to do, if you go to Molly's page, Molly Barrow, right? Yeah. A journalist, mm -hmm. uh, go to mine, Pam Hill, Pie Pie. And just when we post the uh, podcast, either like, comment, and share. And then we'll go through there and we'll put all of the names in a little bucket and we'll pull a winner each week. Absolutely. And if you like and subscribe and comment on our YouTube channel as well, the right. Gulf Coast Confidential YouTube channel, you'll also be in for the drawing. So we do love our Tervis Tumblers yes. and subscribe. highlighting Pensacola yes. Beach. Subscribe. Subscribe. I can't even say it right. I, I, I thought it was hard. I used to think it was hard to go to podcast, but it's not hard the way that ours are set up, the way you got ours set up. Yes. You can go to YouTube and subscribe. It doesn't cost anything. 
and you can go to Buzzsprout and all the others too, but it keeps a catalog. And then that way you can just listen, listen, listen to the next one. That's exactly right. Yeah. And they're on all sorts of platforms. Apple carries it, Spotify, all the big ones. So anyway, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, you can definitely hear it. And we thank you so much for doing that. Hopefully you'll participate and get a chance to win this precious little tumbler. So anyway, thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.